we're in a series simply called The Holy Spirit, uh, where we are seeking to gain a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit and His role in our lives. This is a, a very much misunderstood topic, and it's also a very much misrepresented topic. Misunderstood, by that I mean that there are a lot of people who really don't understand who the Holy Spirit is and what His purpose is in our lives. And by misrepresented, I mean that there are a lot of people who will confuse emotionalism and intuition with a move of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, they often uh, respond in a strange way. And I think all of us can relate to this. And so this is one of those things that in this series I've been teaching that, that many people will either be on one side of a pendulum to where they're, they over-exaggerate the Holy Spirit, and they, they get caught up in a lot of emotionalism and hype and, and feelings. And then over here on this side, you have people that will completely avoid anything to do with the Holy Spirit because it's just, it's just weird or they don't, don't really want to dive into that topic. I just don't want to, you know, I've heard about some strange things, so I want to stay away from it. And I'm here to tell you, this is something that's been on my heart for the last several weeks, is that we need a biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. And his purpose in our lives. Because I'm here to tell you, and for those of you that's been coming to this church for a long time, you should know me by now. Uh, I'm not weird in that realm anyway, as far as the, the Holy Spirit. I'm not into hype and emotionalism and things to where things get out of order. But I am into all that God wants us to experience at this church. And so I am not going to shy away from teaching about what, would, what some would debate is a very controversial topic. I want to give you a biblical understanding. So as I teach this to you, no matter what background you come from, and uh, whether you come was raised in church and, and maybe like a, a Pentecostal uh, denomination or you were raised in Baptist, or even if you come from an unchurched background, my goal is, is that you would view this series with, with a new set of eyes and, and just be open to what God would speak to you as I try to point out biblical clarification on this topic. In week number one, I taught you about the Holy Spirit is, is not a force. He's, he's not an it. He's not a, a thing. He is a person. As a matter of fact, He is the third person of God in spirit form who lives inside of us as believers. And it's important that you know that so that you will seek to develop an intimate relationship with Him. The Bible says He's our comforter, He's our counselor, He's our intercessor, He's our friend, He's our helper. He wants to help us. Last week I taught you about how to understand the meaning of Pentecost, that the word Pentecost is not a weird word. It doesn't mean goosebumps or, or feel-goods or doodads. The word Pentecost simply comes from a word, a, a two-part word, pente and coste, that simply means 50. It's 50 days after Passover, and we talked about that last week. I told you that there are three major Jewish holidays that the Hebrews celebrate. And we're going to put those on the screen for you just to recap. The three major ones are, are Passover and Pentecost and tabernacles. And it's important that we know these because we don't really think about these over here in, in our world, in our, in our country. We think about you know Easter and Fourth of July and uh, Christmas, things like that. But these are three major holidays that Jewish people acknowledge and celebrate because of some um, great things that happened to them. Uh, and Jesus knew about this, obviously. So when Jesus comes to the earth, He does things uh, on these days or in these feasts, if you will, as a picture of a fulfillment of the things that God wants to do in the life of, 
us as believers. For example, Passover. Passover came about because um, God's people, the children of Israel, they were in Egyptian bondage for 400 years. So God raises up a man by the name of Moses to be a deliverer to lead them out of bondage. And you know this story. I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. But uh, Pharaoh, the, the leader of Egypt, didn't want to let them go because they had become slaves and they were doing lots of things for the Egyptians. So God uses Moses to go to Pharaoh and says, hey, God says, let, let us go. And he refused to do it. So God sends ten plagues. And the last one, the tenth plague, was what is called uh, the, the death of the firstborn, to where the, the firstborn male of the families were going to die. And God didn't want this to happen to the Hebrew children, so he, he gave them a plan. He said, I want you to take the blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb, and sprinkle it above the doorpost. And when the death angel comes, when he sees the blood, he will pass over you. And many of you know the story that God brought them out of Egyptian bondage. So Passover represents being brought out of slavery. It represents salvation. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he died on Passover. He was the ultimate sacrificial lamb. His blood didn't just cover our sins. His blood removed our sins. And so Jesus came and did this. He fulfilled this on this day of Passover. Pentecost happened 50 days after Passover. After God had brought the children of Israel out of bondage, He calls them um, to, to Mount Sinai. He calls Moses up on the mountain. And while Moses is on top of the mountain, the Bible says there was fire, there was smoke, there was a loud noise, and God gave Moses His law, the Ten Commandments. And that law was to show them how to live righteously, if you will. This is, this is God's plan. This is how He wants you to live. So it happened 50 days after Passover. When you read the book of Acts, it specifically says on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And there were a lot of similarities. There was smoke, there was, there was fire, there, there was a great cloud, a loud noise, and God did some miraculous things, right? And then we get to tabernacles, and, and tabernacles, God said, I want you to always remember you're wandering in the desert. They spent 40 years wandering in the desert, until God brought them into their permanent home, the promised land. So, so tabernacles is a way of, of remembering how that they were traveling through a land that they did not belong to until God could get them to their final destination or their permanent home. And we studied this last week, that tabernacles represents the second coming of Jesus, that right now we are living in temporary tents. The Apostle Paul calls these bodies a tent. He says, when this tent is taken down, we, we get to move to our permanent home. That this is not our final destination. Aren't you glad for that? That one day, us as believers, we're going to move to our permanent home and live with God forever. So that is tabernacles. I wanted you to see these because these are so important for us to understand because God used these through Jesus. He used these to paint a picture of the things that He wanted to do in our lives. And so most people understand Passover, they understand the cross, they understand salvation, they understand tabernacles and the fact that most people uh, would, would, would attest to the fact that Jesus is going to come back one day. I think most people believe that. It's the, but it's this middle one that a lot of people struggle with. Um, there's a lot of different debates on what was the purpose of Pentecost. And I want to go deeper into that today because there, there is something that happened on Pentecost that, that I believe is still for us today. 
that it didn't die off with the apostles, but it's something that God has for us today, and so that's what we are going to look at. So go with me to Acts chapter number 1, verses 3 through 5. We read this passage last week, but I want to read it again to uh, not just to, to recap, but to get you to, to see some new things this morning pertaining to the Holy Spirit. It says this, that after His suffering, speaking of Jesus, after He um, died on the cross and had risen from the grave, He presented Himself to them, the apostles, and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. So this is after He has risen from the dead. He's on the earth for 40 more days after He rises from the dead. And He he presents Himself to many different people who knew Him to prove that it was indeed Him. I have risen from the dead. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and He spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Everybody say command. Command. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not him saying, you know, I really wish that you would do this. This is him giving a command. Here's the command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. I want to spend some time this morning talking about this phrase, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or the baptism with the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit baptism. What is it? Is it for us today, or did it die off with the apostles? Is it different than the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? And, and, or is it the same? Does every believer have it? And if so, when did we receive it? These are questions that I know that a lot of people debate about. You, could, you can do a, a search on Google for baptism in the Holy Spirit and you're going to get all sorts of different views and perspectives. Different denominations have been formed over this phrase. And so I want to give you a biblical understanding of this. Uh, first of all, I want to give you a, a thorough teaching on what I would call the three baptisms that are available to us as believers. I, I would hope that you would take notes on this and, and, and then take this home and, and pray and ask God if this is really something for you uh, or, or is Pastor Scott, has he just lost it? Uh, is this something for me, God? And pray about this. But I want to talk to you about the three baptisms that God has for us as believers. Here's the first one. Write this down. The baptism in the body of Christ. Baptism in the body of Christ. Let me give you scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says this. For by one spirit we were all what? We were all baptized into one body, that body being into Jesus. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Here's what happens. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. You are baptized into Jesus. Now, this is very important, not only from a Scripture standpoint, but also just uh, what I would call basic sentence structure. In basic sentence structure, now it's been several years since I've been in school, so I had to go look this up again. In basic sentence structure, you have the subject, you have the predicate or or the verse or verb, and then you have the object. In other words, you have the one who is doing the doing and the one who's receiving the doing. Okay, so even, even in just this verse right here, we see that the, the subject is the Holy Spirit. What is he doing? He is baptizing. Who is he baptizing? He's baptizing us into the body 
of Jesus. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body. You are baptized into Jesus. This is very, very important. Second baptism is this, baptism in water. Now this is talked about in several places. One of the verses that I want to use is Matthew chapter 28, verses 19, because it's, it's the command of Jesus. And he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And he tells us to do what? To baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, who, who is doing the baptizing? We are. Man is, because he's telling us, he's telling the disciples, go and make disciples and baptize them. In other words, man is baptizing man. Are you all following me? And what are we baptizing them into? Into water. Okay, this is very important. I think everyone understands water baptism. It is Water baptism doesn't save us, but it's a way, I believe, where we connect with our new identity. Where we embrace our new identity. Jesus makes us new, but I think that when we're water baptized, we realize what happened inside of us. And we want to bury that old man and connect or embrace that new identity. As a matter of fact, in, in Mark chapter number 1, verse 4, it tells us that water baptism is the way that we prove to the world that we have repented of our sins and turned to God for salvation. And if you've never been water baptized, I would encourage you, if you've given your life to Jesus, that is your very next step. Matter of fact, see Pastors Jerry and Don Masters over here, they're our care pastors, to take that step because that's the way you prove to the world, I am a new person, I have repented of my sins, I've given my life to Jesus Christ to be saved. So what I want you to see here is the first baptism, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. The second baptism, man is baptizing the believer into water. Now there's a third baptism. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. John the Baptist says this. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me. Who is he speaking of? Jesus. He who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, in this baptism, who's doing the baptizing? Jesus. Into what? Into the Holy Spirit. Who is he baptizing? He's baptizing the believer. He says, I'm, John the Baptist says, I'm going to baptize you in water, but he who's coming after me is going to baptize you into the Holy Spirit. Some, some translations say with. Well, you're going to find out here in just a second. With means in. It's the Greek word en. It means in. Okay? So he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to see before I go any further, just by reading Scripture and just by common basic sentence structure, we see that there are three baptisms. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus when we get saved. Then we take the next step. Man baptizes the believer into water to connect with the new identity. And then the third baptism that we see here is Jesus baptizes us or wants to baptize us with or into the Holy Spirit. There are some foundational truths that I'll need to cover for just a moment to set up this teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first was this, how does, how does a person get saved? How do we get saved? By faith in Jesus. It is by grace that we are saved. Grace through 
faith. By believing in Jesus Christ, by believing that He is the only way to heaven, by believing that He is the anointed one, the Messiah sent from God to save us, and putting our faith in Him. Now, that, oh, I've talked about this before. I don't have a lot of time to speak on this. But faith is not just saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus like we believe in Santa Claus. It's saying, okay, I believe He's the only way, and to show that I believe that, I am going to follow the way that He has established for me to go. It's putting our faith and trust in Him. So that's how we get saved. Now what happens at the moment that we get saved? We are given new life. We are born again. First time we're born, we're born of water. We are, we are birthed into the flesh, right? We are born as a human being. The second time we get born is when we give our life to Jesus Christ. We are born of the Spirit. We are made brand new. Here's what happens. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. For His Spirit, the Spirit of God, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. The moment that you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you as a child of God. His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. But here's what I want you to understand. That's what happens when you get saved. The Holy Spirit comes in and seals you. He identifies you as a child of God. That's my child. But He wants to do more than just to seal us for eternity. He wants to empower us to reach other people. He wants to empower us to go out and do signs and wonders so that people would see that the God that we serve is indeed real. He wants to free us from our addictions. He wants to break strongholds. In our life. One of my favorite illustrations that I love to use to prove this point is the story of Lazarus. I don't know if you have ever seen this in the story, but this is, this is what sticks out to me when I read the story of Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead for, for four days. Obviously, he's physically dead. Jesus, and we'll read this here in a minute, Jesus raises him from the dead. He gives him new life. But there's still a problem with Lazarus. He's still wrapped in grave clothes. In other words, he, he, has, he has life. He's been born again, if you will. But he's still bound by things that represent death. He still has bondage. He still has addictions. He's not totally free. Are, are you following me? Look at this. John chapter 11, verse 43 through 44 Jesus shouted, Lazarus is in the grave. He'd been in there for four days. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Jesus calls him out of the grave. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. How many would agree that the, he, he's alive, right? The dead man is he's now, I mean, you're dead, you're not coming out of that grave. But Jesus calls him to life. He's born again, if you will, but he comes out, he's still wrapped in grave clothes. So watch what Jesus said. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. He was saved, but there was no ministry happening in his life. He, he was saved, but, but he was bound, so he couldn't go about, John, and, and, and minister to other people because he's bound. He's alive, but he's bound. And so Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Set him free. Free him from this stuff so he can go and do what I need him to do. It was almost like Jesus was saying, I want to do more in your life, Lazarus, than just raise you from the dead. 
I want to empower you to go about and, and tell people about me. I have a work for you to do. I have a mission for you to accomplish. I have people that I need you to reach, but you can't do all of that in the bondage that you're in. You need to be freed. You've got to be empowered. So loose him and let him go. This is very important. The people that Jesus was commanding to go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise were people who were already saved. They were believers. Just, just like, and maybe I'm getting off track here, but, but in the Old Testament, um, they were saved by believing in the Messiah who was to come. We are saved by believing in the, in the one who has already come. By putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. These people that Jesus is commanding to go to Jerusalem to wait had already believed that He was the Messiah. So when Jesus charged them to not leave Jerusalem until they received the gift that God had promised, He was not referring to being sealed with the Holy Spirit. He was referring, I believe, to being baptized with the Holy Spirit. All four writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about this baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it's very interesting because every time you find this phrase, baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's always paralleled with baptism in water. In other words, it's, it's always referenced together. For John baptized with water, but in just a few days, I'm going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. It, it's like Jesus is saying, just like you're baptized with water, I want to do the same thing, but in the Holy Spirit. Here's one example. Mark chapter 1, verse number 8. John the Baptist says this, I do what? I baptize you with water, or the word there is in, okay? I, some of you may have translations that say here, don't, so don't get hung up on this. That, that word with is the Greek word en. If you look it up, it means in. I'm gonna, I baptize you in water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Two words I want us to look at, baptize and then with. The word baptize is the Greek word baptizo. And it simply means to immerse or submerge. That's why we practice full immersion in water here at this church. Because, well, several things. One of them, the Bible says that Jesus came up out of the water. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, signifying that he was first where? <laughs> in the water. Okay. So, but this, this word also means to immerse or, or to submerge. The next word is with. That word with means in. So Jesus is saying... I want you to be immersed in water to show that you have uh, repented of your sins. And then I'm going to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Immerse, to submerge. I'm going to submerge you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus echoes this same statement right before He ascends into heaven. We read it earlier. Let's read it again. Acts 1, 4 and 5 says this. He gave them this command. This is Jesus speaking to the believers here. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. Here's the, the parallel again. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What in the world was the purpose of this? They were already saved. Why did they need to go and wait for this, this gift that God was promising them? I can tell you why. Because of what this gift was going to do for them. 
Jesus clarifies what this gift would do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive, this is very important, you will receive what? Power. Please, especially if you grew up uh, like me and, and come from a Pentecostal background. And once again, if you've heard me talk about this before, I, I am so thankful for my upbringing. Okay, so never think that I am putting down a denomination. I am not. But I was misled. I'm not going to blame it on the teaching. I'm going to blame it on my interpretation. It was impressed upon me that you know, there were certain things that were supposed to happen when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One thing that the Bible says for sure is supposed to happen is that we are supposed to receive power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, once again, immerses you. It's coming upon you. I mean, it's going to... Immerse you. Okay? When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and seals you. But this is not talking about coming inside. I, I, this is me. Okay, You can take it for what it's worth. He says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. It's going to envelop you. It's going to overtake you. It's going to immerse you. Submerge you. You're going to receive power to do what? To be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. This is important. In Jerusalem, in other words, where you're from. And throughout all Judea, in the, in the surrounding regions, in Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. Here's how people's going to know that, that who you serve is real. And that is the real God. Because you're going to have power. You're going to have boldness. You're going to have victory. You're going to look different than the world looks. Power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's, it's, where, we get our, it's where we get our English word dynamite. Power. Miraculous power. In other words, Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or comes over you, you are going to receive power. And this power is going to enable you to minister. That's what He's saying. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Here's a thought that I want you to write down. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is empowerment for ministry. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is empowerment for ministry. Jesus was saying, I need you to touch your city. I need you to reach the world. I need you to make a difference. And you can't do that on your own strength. You're going to need my, my power. In other words, it's a, I've, I've, we highlighted the word command. Jesus was saying, it's like the American Express card. Don't leave home without it. Jesus is saying, go to Jerusalem and don't leave until you have been endued with power. He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive this power. Don't try to minister. Don't try to witness. Don't try to live without this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Look how he says the, the exact same thing in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus says this, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city, stay in Jerusalem, until you have been clothed with power from on high. Until you have been enveloped with power from on high. Until you have been immersed in this power from on high. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about empowerment. It's not about emotionalism. It's not about hype. It's about being empowered. It's about experiencing boldness and confidence and victory over sin. And if you don't have that power, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Empowerment. Everybody say empowerment. Listen, here's another example. Jesus did not begin his ministry until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can, you can read about this all through the Gospels where, where Jesus, John the Baptist is baptizing people and all of a sudden Jesus comes and, and you know John points him out here, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he comes down and Jesus gets in line, if you will, to be baptized. And, and John kind of, you know, he kind of opposes that, says, who am I that I should baptize you? I want you to baptize me. But Jesus is saying, John, you, you, you don't understand what's going on here. So John baptizes Jesus in water, when he comes up out of the water, do you remember what happens? The Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, comes upon Jesus. And at that point, the Bible says, Jesus being filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit next week and how to stay filled and and, and what that looks like in our life. Jesus being filled with the Spirit is led into the wilderness and is there for for 40 days and pray. And then he comes out being filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins his ministry. Right? That's what my Bible says. So what I'm thinking is if if Jesus modeled that for us, then we should model that in our lives. We should practice that in our lives. To be endued with power from on high. Being baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Not to the point to where we think we've got it. Not to the point where someone says, oh yeah, that's it. You've got the the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not until that point, but to the point where there is evidence of supernatural power in our lives. Just out of curiosity, how many of you believe what Jesus said when He says, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. Look, Look at the works that Jesus did. He healed people. He caused people who couldn't speak to speak. He opened deaf into ears. He raised people from the dead. Yeah, but pastor, He was Jesus. (laughs) The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He lives with us and He wants to empower us just like He empowered you. That's why Jesus said the works that you've seen me do, you're going to do greater works than these. I don't believe he was talking quality-wise because what's greater than raising someone from the dead? I think he's talking, speaking quantity. Like, you're going to be able to do more. You're going to multiply. That's why I want you to not just reach your city, but but reach the world. Spread, multiply, share the good news. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. (laughs) He's like, oh, pastor, slow down now. I'm telling you, this is the God that you and I sing about. He's he's not some statue that's equivalent to all the other gods in the world. He is a real God and what separates Him from from all the other gods is that He has power. Power that He rose from the dead. And He gives that same power to all of us. we got to get to that point to where there's evidence of supernatural power working in our lives. Where we're doing the works that Jesus did. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has enveloped us and consumed us. Listen to me. I've got to get to this. Listen. 
man, I have spent... Please don't just think I, I've listened to somebody and that's persuaded my thinking. That, no, no, no. I have listened to someone, the Holy Spirit. We don't just get this empowerment by asking for it. But we get it by, by hungering and thirsting for righteousness and, and all that God has for us and, and prioritizing God and getting alone in His presence. It's, you can see this in the Scripture. Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait. And you're going to find that they waited for 10 days. I don't know if they were there 24-7. I don't know. The Bible is not clear on that. Maybe they were coming back at certain times. I don't know. But they waited. And it's not about how long you've waited. It's about positioning yourself to prioritize God. To where you're saying, God, all that matters right now is me drawing closer to you and receiving all that you have for me. Getting, getting alone with God and to where you say, you know what, I, I'm not coming out of this prayer room until I know I've heard from heaven. I, I'm not coming out of this prayer room until I know that God has touched me and that there's boldness in my life to go out and do things that I know that God wants me to do. I, I'm not going to teach you this morning that, that certain signs happen. I, I know that you can look at scriptures and you're going to see that certain people in a lot of denominations say this, well, that, that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit. And, and the reason they say that is because many people in Acts, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues, but they spoke in known languages. They spoke in a language to where those people from that uh, nationality could understand them. Why? Because what they were sharing the good news about Jesus. And so I know a lot of denominations, they'll, they'll put a strong emphasis on, oh, you've got to have jibber-jatter. You've got to do you know, I lost the key to my Honda, or so, things like that. And, and, and I'm not making fun, because I, I speak in tongues. Okay, I have, a, I have a gift that I pray in tongues. I believe that's scriptural. I don't do it here to weird people out. You, you guys know me. But what happened on the day of Pentecost, that they were endued with power to be witnesses to those people who couldn't speak their language. And they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this one that you just crucified was the Savior of the world. And Peter preached a powerful sermon and they were so convicted. What do we got to do to be saved? Well, you got to repent. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children. All those. In other words, there's power that can work in our lives to save our friends, to save our neighbors, to save our family. You know why people aren't coming to Jesus today? You know why our neighbors aren't getting saved? You know why we're not doing signs and wonders are following us? Because we're not endued with this power. We've neglected it. We've written it off. I don't want any of that. I've seen some weird things that happen in the name of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I can tell you this, and, and I don't want to belabor this point, but I grew up, I grew up, and I'm just, I'm just can y'all just hear my heart? I grew up, believing that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was me feeling I don't know, a certain goosebumps or, or chills or jibber jabber and, and speaking in tongues. I, I grew up believing that. And then as I begin to get in the Word I begin to realize, you know what, what? the Bible says I'm going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. There, there was no change in my life. It was just going to church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and going through the routine to where Oh, the Spirit really moved and people are being slain and various things like this. But, but no change was happening in people's lives. 
And so now what I believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and my elders can correct me if I'm wrong, just not publicly, please. I believe that there are times when, let me explain it like this, there are times when I am, I get lost in prayer. Sometimes it's very hard to pray. If you've never found, found prayer very hard, you, you haven't tried praying. Because prayer can be so hard. Because distraction after distraction, the yard needs mowed, the clothes need folded. All, all these things are happening because the enemy's trying to fill your mind with distractions. But there's times if I'll just press in and pray and just begin to pray and begin to call out things and just begin to keep praying and keep praying. Pastor Jerry, there, there is there's an empowerment that comes over me to where I start praying in boldness, to where I start feeling confident. And I feel like that I could, I, I could run through a troop and, and leap over a wall. I feel like that I could go out and conquer the world. Is anybody, can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about being in a room where the music's just right and the lights are right, where the, the atmosphere is just, you know, real conducive to just getting lost in emotionalism. I'm talking about it, me and no one else is around. And I believe that what's going on at that time is that Jesus is baptizing me in His Holy Spirit and He's empowering me for ministry. And I don't believe it's a one-time thing. I believe that it's a, it's a, you know what, I need to go and I need to get along with Jesus and I need to get in the presence of Jesus so that I can get baptized so that He can immerse me again in the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to teach you as a church that the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not odd. He's not someone that we need to neglect. He's someone that we need. And, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He lives inside of you. But, but there's an immersion that He wants to do in your life to give you power to be witnesses, to give you power to walk in victory, to give you power to walk out of that bondage. Some of you are wondering right now, well, I've given my life to Jesus, but I'm still bound with these addictions. I still have these strongholds in my life. You, you, need, to, you need a baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need an empowerment. And then, like I said, next week we're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit and stay filled because the Apostle Paul says, don't be drunk with wine where is an excess, but be filled. That's an ongoing filling because we leak. <laughs> I know that's not good good verbiage there but we do we, we exhaust things if we're doing the works of Jesus we're, we're exhausting ourselves and, and ministering but we need to stay filled and there's a way that that happens but my prayer is this morning that we would be a church that seeks to be endued with this power to where we could be difference makers we could be world changers and people could see resurrection power working in our lives I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I want to pray over you. And then I want, to, I want to give us some time to press in here in just a moment. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the Word of God that's so real in our lives. I'm so thankful this morning, God, for, for what you've showed us in your Word. And Lord, I know that this is a very confusing topic. And, and Lord, I, I pray that if I, have, if I have taught anything that's unbiblical, or if I have taught anything that you would not want me to teach, I pray that... Everything that I just said is completely erased from our minds today. That we would not get hung up on some wrongful teaching. But God, if, I, if what I have taught today is truly the Word of God and is truly your desire for us, then let us all have a desire to be filled and baptized with your Spirit. 
so we can be world changers, so we can walk in boldness and confidence and victory. God, I pray first and foremost, if there was anyone in this room who does not know you, Lord, that that their thought today would be, I I need Jesus. I need this this Savior in my life. I need this healer. I need this, this reigning King in my life. I realize today that if I don't confess Him as Lord and Savior, that I'm going to stand before Him one day as a judge and He's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. So God, if there's one that's here today that does not know you, Lord, I pray that before this service is over that they acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of their life, that they repent of their sins and they choose to follow you. And as we close out this service, God, and spend some time around these altars, Father, I pray that you would just let your Holy Spirit envelop us and empower us and consume us so that we are no longer status quo Christians. We are no longer just a normal Christian God but we stand out as world changers and I thank you for that in Jesus name Amen